the final installment of Nexium is here, and it's time for small-dicked fuckboy Keith Raniere to finally get his comeuppance. Today, we'll look at the formation of DOS, the pyramid scheme Keith developed to lure women into sexual slavery. We'll talk about their recruitment, their rituals, and how DOS operated. We'll also discuss the defection of the Nexium 9 and their efforts to expose Keith and his cult to the media and authorities. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If the volleyball and the EMs weren't enough to get you off, stick around. Maybe the branding and the forced cunnilingus will make this the climax you deserve. This is Necronomapod. Keith Raniere has been tight-lipped since his conviction last year, but he is talking now. He says he regrets nothing. Today in court, he will be listening to hours of statements from some of his victims and to a judge who could put him away for good. This morning, Keith Raniere, founder of secretive self-help group Nexium, will be sentenced, facing life behind bars for his role in the so-called sex cult. Prosecutors say Raniere, known as Vanguard to his followers, was a con man and a predator who used blackmail to force women to be his slaves and have sexual relationships with him. Raniere hadn't spoken publicly since he was convicted of sex trafficking, racketeering, and conspiracy charges last year. So as I'm sure you guys are aware, probably by my drunken texting, I had a little bit of a Sunday That's true. last weekend. Um, I partied pretty hard, <laughs> did some shots, had some beers. It was a great day, Dave. What was the occasion, Mike? NASCAR champion Chase Elliott, my driver, won the... Na- Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> won the NASCAR championship, and I proceeded to celebrate and drink my face off. That's, what, that's my understanding. As any good sports fan should when their team or their person wins the championship. Can you imagine, Dave, like, you know, if the Browns won the Super Bowl, Cleveland would burn to the ground. I can't imagine. I was downtown when the Cavs won the championship right. in 2016. It was uh, everything I always thought it would be. Yeah. It was an awesome moment it was fantastic. for the city of Cleveland. I'm not a huge basketball fan, so it would be unfair of me to claim that as a championship for me. Okay. So this was kind of my first sports championship. Okay. But uh, yeah, it was good for Cleveland. That city downtown went nuts. We went to the parade after. Remember it was we went down fantastic. There? Yeah. So, and I think I was texting. Uh, I think I texted both of you guys. I don't really remember. <laughs> Did I send you guys the video of me? Uh, no, I, I didn't get a video, but I got a picture. I think it was like 1130 at night. I got a picture of Chase Elliott holding up the big <laughs> cup over his head. <laughs> I'm just drunk tweeting, texting everybody I know, just pictures of my guy with the championship. Okay. I'll show you guys the video at some point. It was just me doing a uh, to be the man. You got to beat the man and then swigging some beer. I, I, I don't know. Somebody, I think, convinced me it was a good idea. I was drinking with our good friends, Jess Brew Coffee. Oh, they were over there with me. Those guys. Yeah. I know those guys. Before Chase Elliott even crossed the finish line winning the race, they had shots of vodka poured. And I was like, well, <laughs> I guess this is going to be a thing. <laughs> then we got into some Crown Royal. I had about 38 Miller Lights. God damn. Woo. It's great. I'm still on cloud nine. I can tell. It was big for me. It is big. For hillbillies, this is a big day. I guess. Now we're less than 90 <laughs> days away from the Daytona 500. Can't wait. Hey, racing. That's a good idea. Hopefully it's better than last year. How many laps did it get in before it got canceled? Did they even go green last year? I don't know. No. Did they actually? I don't even think they even raced. No, there was no racing. They just had. I remember uh, we were hanging out at your house yeah, forever and it just yeah. never happened. We ended up doing like seven power hours in one day because uh, we were sitting <laughs> around all day. I was fucking hammered. On a rain, rain delay. We <laughs> drank from 11 a.m. till about nine o'clock at night. Yeah. 
yeah. waiting. And then the race was postponed till Monday. What are you going to do? I remember Ian, you were already gone. I got in a heated political discussion with Mike on my way out. I vaguely remember. Uh, <laughs> vaguely remember. All <laughs> he of was this. hot. He was hot. I'm like, what are you, simmer down, fella. What are you talking about? I, honest to God, have <laughs> like, it feels like that was a dream. Like, I don't even remember. I couldn't even tell what we were talking about. I probably was just being a drunk, uh, rambling fool. Yeah, you were. Correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I missed that. <laughs> Ian, fuck, Mary kill. Eminem, Jay-Z, Ice T. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Mary Jay Z, F Eminem, and kill Ice T. Wow, it's mm. all you, Dave. Unless you want some time. No, no, I'm thinking it's a tough one. Yeah, I'm gonna kill Eminem. Oh, it's tough. These top two, man. I love the Ice T going way back with Body Count and all that old stuff. I think it'd be fun to be with Jay Z though. I'm gonna F Ice T. I'm also gonna marry Jay Z and kill Eminem. Did you guys agree yeah. on both? No, he killed Ice no, I T. I F Eminem. Oh, you guys flipped those. Uh, I'm killing Jay-Z instantly, hands down. Like, not even a thought. I'm effing, I'm, effing, I'm effing Eminem, and I'm marrying Ice-T, because who... I mean, it's Ice-T. It's fucking I, cool dude. He is a cool dude. And if dude. you're going to bang one of them, I'm going to bang Eminem. He's the best looking of the bunch. Jay, Jay-Z gets a bad rap being ugly. He gets bad he doesn't, all the time. Hey, I saw Jay-Z in concert with Beyonce once, and Jay-Z was amazing. Stole the show from his own wife. See? He was fantastic. And he's banging Beyonce. He don't give a fuck what you say about him. Still kill him. <laughs> Still kill him. I'm pretty sure none of these three give a fuck what we say about them. I was basing mine off looks more. If I just I feel like do- I would want to be married to Ice-T. He's just like, the, like, did you ever watch that reality show he had with his wife, Coco? He just seems like the coolest dude. He is a cool dude. Like, I just want to hang out with him all day. He's an OG pimp. Man. Yeah. Ice T's a cool guy. I want to hang out with him. And then it comes down to Eminem, Jay Z. Who are you going to bang and who are you going to kill? I'm banging Eminem if I'm looking at both of them. All right. I like Jay Z. If I had to do it based on music, I would still marry Jay Z, F, Ice T, and then kill Eminem because I don't like Eminem at all. Music wise, I like Eminem the most. I don't know a ton of. I, I guess I like Ice T better than Jay Z. I don't know. They're all good. And I like all three guys. Yeah, Just makes us a glorious game. I always liked Ice T's metal band better than his rap stuff. Right, <laughs> fucking body count was awesome, man. <laughs> Who was all in that? Was Scotty in from Anthrax in that? <sighs> Jeez, that was so long ago. I don't know. They came out with another album a couple last year, two years ago. Did they really? It wasn't bad. I mean, it's not great, but it's not bad. Was Scott Ian? I don't even. I don't even remember. Mm, he got I a lot like of trouble for some reason. You think so? Yeah. Remember he had the song Cop Killer yeah. and everyone uh, of course. He, he took a lot of shit for that. He's from the streets. You were, he was. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, well, also. <laughs> That's also, reacting hard over there. Also me. I mean, I get that sentiment. <laughs> All right. Here's a better one. Dave, F. Mary Kill, Shakira, Mariah Carey, Kim Kardashian. God. I kill Mariah Carey, F. Kim Kardashian, and Mary Shakira. I'm, I'm not a fan of Mariah Carey. What Mariah Carey are we, are we talking about here? Hey, it's your fantasy pally. You pick the best of each three of the three of them. All of them at their peak. Okay. Um, Obviously, that's a Ray J, Kim Kardashian. Well, I was going to say, was that when Kim was... <laughs> <laughs> Ray J? Because that was her peak in my when you when, Whatever you consider her peak, <laughs> you use it. I will go on record and say I total, I agree with Dave. I'm doing the same. Well, thing. Ian I'm, would marry Kim because then he could he could uh, <laughs> uh, uh, taste uh, Kanye's cock. It's, it's his <laughs> dream in life. Come on, just so that he can cheat on Kim with her husband Kanye. <laughs> 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 
Hold on a second. Hold on. I got to Google something real quick. <laughs> Please don't tell me you're Googling Shakira. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm I want to know if my if what I'm thinking in my head is valid or not Hold on, before I make my answer. Who is Mariah Carey and what does she do? <laughs> <laughs> she comes out once a year at Christmas and sings that little Christmas song and then she goes away for 11 months. I'm, yeah, I'm with Dave. Mary Shakira, F. Kim, and uh, Kill Mariah. I do like Mariah, though. She's thick. She's hot. Yeah, they're, all, they're, they're all kind of thick and hot. Yeah, I'm pretty... Okay, I got mine. So I would uh, I would kill Shakira, F. Kim Kardashian, and marry Mariah Carey. Really? What the hell were you looking up? Like Just like what she looked like back in the day, like the 90s, early 2000s. Wow. Fair enough. So we all agreed we'd bang Kim. And then it's just a switch on the. Oh uh, yeah. The uh, what else you, is she good for? Come on. You gonna kill? You want to talk to her? I don't know, Dave. She gets people out of prison. <laughs> that's all right. That's right. <laughs> it's like damn it, now, damn it. Now I'm marrying her. <laughs> Anyways, that's enough fun. Let's get to some shitty stuff. We are on part three and closing out our series on Nexium. So, Ian, what do you got? Where we left off on part two, in 2006, Keith had started his women's empowerment group called Jeunesse, which was actually extremely misogynistic and designed to break down women. Smallville actress Allison Mack was in attendance at the first Jeunesse meeting, and after being invited by Lauren Salzman to meet Keith, Allison hopped on the Bronfman sisters' private jet to fly out to Albany, New York. And if you watch The Vow, you can see how in awe of... Keith Allison was right off the bat. Like, it's ridiculous because she meets him during one of his volleyball games where he's dressed ridiculous. Well, Velcro shoes. I mean, that's a panty dropper. Velcro yeah, shoes on. and <laughs> knee pads and that headband. Like I'm leaking just thinking about it. Which it, it's like she's in tears talking to him, like just so in awe of meeting him. Maybe one day when people can meet us and they'll be in awe of meeting us. Oh, I'm sure we're so fucking cool. Right. Well, I don't know. I don't have Velcro shoes, though, Dave. Do I need to get some? Yeah, you should. Wear those to like our first live show. Absolutely. And I'll wear knee pads over my jeans just because that's <laughs> that's what women want, apparently. <laughs> I would absolutely do that. Allison was continued to be showered with all this attention by Keith's inner circle. And she ended up just staying in Albany, New York for weeks. She just never, never left. I guess that says something if she lived in L.A. or New York and she's going to hang out there instead. Yeah, Albany's not exactly the uh, mm. media center of the country. Mm -mm. After news of everything with Nexium would break years later, this didn't come to a surprise to some of the people that were closest with Allison before she joined. According to friends, Allison was an extremely impressionable young woman who was constantly in search of something that was missing in her life. So she made up for an easy person to be preyed on by something like this. Pretty stereotypical of anyone who joins a cult, right? Like... Looking for something meaningful, looking for something yeah, to... That makes sense. He seems to know how to pick people. Everything wasn't dark in Nexium like Janess. They also held annual retreats called V-Week, which stood for Vanguard Week. And eventually it turned into a 10-day celebration for Keith's birthday. Nexium members from all over the world would travel to the retreat, which was held on a compound in Clifton Park, New York. Mark Vicente, the director behind the award-winning documentary, What the Bleep Do We Know, who was a longtime member and eventually high-profile defector, said V-Week was like an adult summer camp. 
You used to host uh, V Weeks at college, didn't you, Mike? Where all the freshman virgins would line up outside your door and <laughs> and all fight for the honor of, uh, having, of, of having you take their virginity. Well, no, they would all get it, but then it would be like the best would be the V Week Queen. And I would, she would present it with like a crown oh. and like roses. And oh. Like it was like a, like a I pageant. Yeah, I didn't know you selected a queen. The V-Week okay. queen. Like she would like be like the best of the bunch. Like you are officially. That's and then, amazing. You put that on your resume, you're sold for life. Like you're, you're good to go. <laughs> good to, any job you want. You, put you were a queen resume. maker. You were V-Week queen. Hmm. That people know what it is. You, in circles, they know. <laughs> Certain circles, they know. V-Week queen, yeah. All four of them that showed up at my door. <laughs> <laughs> Like adult date, adult summer camp would be kind of cool, though. I actually saw that idea on Shark Tank a few years ago. A guy, they started their own, you know, adult summer camp. You go for a week, you go to archery and shoot shotguns and canoe and drink. And hopefully I I wouldn't be mixing the archery, shotguns and drinking. No, of course. Separate. I would absolutely do that. Be fun, right? I don't want to sleep in a cabin with a bunch of other people, though. Like hotel it at least, like style hotel. Yeah. Like I want my own little like pod or something. Yeah, no dorm room style cabin activity. Well, dorm room style is okay. Like I want my own room. Like if it's like a hallway with rooms, that's fine. I'm not sleeping like in a cabin style, like bunk beds yeah, no. with other adults. No. Like that's weird. But yeah, it'd be fun. Necronomapod yeah. adult day camp. How there about that? There you go. Fucking awesome. We have, uh, what are those called? Uh, the key parties, Dave? Like at night, like one Swinger of the, key parties. One of the night, like uh, sure. one of the uh, like instead of ice cream socials, we have key parties. You know, you get to meet your neighbors. Our like, listeners. oh, you banged my wife. Oh, good to meet you. Where are you from? What do you do? Smell my finger. Yeah. That's, the, that's the game. Smell my finger. Whose wife was I in? And then and if, the, if the husband guesses correctly, his wife, your best friend, your pen pals for life. All right, let's do it. Pick a location. Necronomapod adult summer camp. So, yeah, these were like full blown, like they had go karts. I mean, it's just yeah. like you said, it was like a huge, just adult summer camp. That's how you suck people in, man. Yeah, because according to Rick Ross, things like V Week are designed are designed purposely and calls to create a high and allowing members to get a feeling of how great things are and forget about the draining requirements placed on them to be part of the group. It's very similar to Jim Jones holding his high energy sermons that were attended by key civil rights movement figures like Angela Davis. And it it gives people a sense of things are working. Things are good. So ignore the bad shit that's that's happening behind the scenes. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Behind the scenes of things like V week and recruiting Allison Mack, as well as other celebrity members like Battlestar Galactica's Nikki Klein, there was dissension growing. Barbara Boucher, who had been a longtime member and dated Keith, was finally having enough after nine years. She wasn't alone in this either. Susan Dones, seven high-ranking women, and Barbara Boucher would become known as the Nexium Nine. Barbara was the financial advisor lady, correct? Right. She ended up um, managing the, the Bronfman sisters' money. And then prior, a couple years prior to her doing that, Keith had blown close to a million dollars of her money in the commodities market. Barbara Boucher was also the football player, right? Who loved water. Oh, that's Bobby Boucher. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, and if we recall from last week, he lost $65 million of that Claire Brofman's money trying to do commodities trading. So he wasn't great with their money. That's a huge chunk of cash. 
$65 million? They were his own little personal ATM. Man. Susan Dones organized a sit-down meeting with Keith and the nine women. They detailed their issues with how Nexium was being ran. They called Keith out for how he sexually exploited female followers, borrowed large amounts of money from members, and refused to pay state or federal taxes. In response, Keith completely disregarded their complaints and came back at them with the same old jargon about how they needed to have EMs done. Go get you an EM. (laughs) You're really really vibing me out right now. Go get some EMs done. Come back when you're better. In in that seduced documentary that we watched, that was a a common theme. According to India Oxenberg, every time she questioned something, oh, you just need some more EMs. I said she was like, she had the most EMs of anyone in the whole place. <laughs> Quit asking goddamn questions. <laughs> the nine women decided that was it, and they all left Nexium. This was the biggest affection at one time, and to add to it, these were all high-level members, including some from the inner circle, like Barbara Boucher. The women sent Keith and Nancy a letter of resignation from Nexium. With that letter also detailing money that they felt that they were owed from Keith. Dear Keith and Nancy, what predicated our meetings with with Keith on April 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, 2009 was the growing number of Nexium community members expressing their concerns about the inconsistencies we are and have been experiencing and how the company operated. Upon sharing data, the damages are more far-reaching than originally thought. As we compared our data of why the system wasn't working, we identified evidence of secrecy, non-disclosure, and lack of transparency. Our intent for meeting with Keith was to rectify the inconsistencies in their leadership of the company and the conflict of interest within the system. Keith's willingness to meet with us was based in part on his opinion of the organization's ethical breach against its members because its system of protocol and feedback failed. We concluded at the end of these meetings that resolution was not probable. Based on the above, we believe we can no longer continue a business relationship with ESP and Nexium. Therefore, we are requesting the closure of outstanding value exchanges not met, as well as a buyout for the Tacoma Center for the people mentioned below. We are requesting a response to this letter by 11.59 p.m. Saturday, April 25th, 2009. We are requesting a written, signed, notarized contract agreeing to the below amounts by 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, April 26, 2009. We are requesting a a cashier's check for the total amount due of $2,088,000 by Thursday, April 30, 2009. If these requests are not met, we will move forward by contacting the press. The below financials are only provided to you, but the above letter has been sent to the executive board. Sincerely, Barbara Boucher, Susan Dones, Kim Woolhouse, Angela Yusi, Ellen Gibson, Nina Cowell, Jan Heim, Sheila Cote, and Kathy Ether, the Nexium 9. Well, all right. I might have mispronounced some of those names. I apologize. That's coming from me, not from Ian's research or Dave. That's my being drunk. If you're one of our patrons, you probably know that I mispronounce names. (laughs) So I I try to do a little research into this and I really couldn't find anything. But I'm curious who was on the board and what was the whole corporate structure, you know, as far as ownership of all these these companies they have. I think that's an interesting part of this story, but it's it's hard to find anything. Two people I know for sure that were on the board was Claire Bronfman. And Mark Vicente, the guy that did the What the Bleep Do You Know, or Do mm-hmm. We Know documentary. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I believe there was a third per. Maybe it was Nancy Salzman. That makes sense. But I know for sure it was Mark Vicente and Claire Bronfman. Keith, like we said, he created Nexium. We talked about that last week. He can. His name was never on any of this stuff to to hide himself from taxes and things like that. Smart. Yeah. Fun fact: uh, Marco Vicente, his brother Andre Chikatilo, they got a <laughs> restaurant down in uh, Vancouver. It's uh, the best. <laughs> I feel like that was slightly getting to boring. It was. That's why I cut it off at the, at the end. end. I started trailing into uh, my my Kazakhstani came accent. Out of nowhere. That was awesome. <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> oh, that was that's that supposed to be Italian. <laughs> It all blurs at some point. It's all the same. I like it, you peoples. <laughs> <laughs> There's a shit in the bowl. It's a nice. <laughs> it's all the same. Mafia Mike is actually Kazakhstani. <laughs> That's right. The day after sending the letter, the group got together again at Barbara's house. While they were meeting, they were all served with a letter that claimed their demand for funds owed to the amount of extortion, and that Nexium was going to seek to have them prosecuted for that crime. Of course. Go after them because, you know, Keith's innocent, obviously. Which we've seen him do in the past. How dare they? They had to have known that was coming, I would assume. Yeah, of course. Barbara decided that she needed to immediately hire an attorney to protect her from what would turn into prolonged litigation with Nexium and Claire and Sarah Bronfman. Susan Dones also offered to retain a lawyer for herself and the seven other women. Extortion charges brought by Nexium failed to stick, but years of litigation funded by specifically Claire Bronfman would happen just like they did to Tony Natale. Once the extortion charges didn't stick, Nexium attempted to assert a civil extortion claim against Susan Dones and Kim Woolhouse in their subsequent bankruptcy cases because Susan, like, they fought Susan Dones to the point where she was literally, literally broke had no money left to her name and she was defending herself. She didn't even have a lawyer anymore. She was defending herself Mm. and she ultimately, she would, you know, she would end up beating Naxim in court defending herself, but yeah, just completely, completely drain this woman of money. Which is, I'm sure that they was his plan, right? Like, let's just beat these people into submission. You know, we're, we'll make up these, these charges, but we have enough money to keep going through the court system. They don't. So, you know, We'll just break them. That's how it works in this country. The way that Susan Dones ended up getting finally like like a game of chess and fi- finally called them on their shit was she got a judge to request that Naxium's financial records be admitted as, as evidence in part of the case. And they failed to they refused to turn over any of those financial records. So the civil case was thrown out. <laughs> so. There you go. So did any of this group ever get any money recovered? Doesn't sound like it. No, not that I know of. I guess no. if you're declaring bankruptcy, you never got a check from old Keith. Probably not. Mike, by the way, did any Keiths come over and beat your ass this week for uh, your 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 pejorative? Uh, I mean, the name sucks. No, not one. Didn't even get, <laughs> didn't even get one negative comment about my thoughts on the name Keith. All right. Yeah. Actually, like I said last week, just had people send me clips for that Family Guy clip where <laughs> Peter thinks the worst name in America is Keith. So fine. a lot of good Keiths out there in this country. I just I'm want sure. to apologize. You for know what? So uh, casting are, aspersions on your name. There probably are some good people named Keith. 
it's unfortunate that you just never found the, one right, the, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's unfortunate that their name is keith and uh you know you got to be tied to this fucking jackass <laughs> this defection was a major loss of control for keith and he lost it when he started to lose control of a young woman that he had been sexually abusing since she was 16 named daniela flores in 2009, Daniela had been a member of Nexium for 10 years after being brought in by her parents. She was from Mexico, and she was brought in to Albany, New York. She was not here legally, that, and that detail will be, will be pointed out later on when we get to trial things. Keith immediately started a sexual relationship with Daniela and her sisters, Mariana and Camila. How old and the other they? thing to note, uh, they're all teens. So he's raping all three of these girls. Right. And it's and also a side note on this. These are all aliases like witness protection. Those are not real right. names. Yeah. Gotcha. At one point, Keith had gotten all three of the sisters pregnant and made them get abortions. Oh, a nice guy. This fucking Keith guy Jesus is. Huh? Christ. After years of this treatment, Daniela started to have enough and developed feelings for another Nexium member named Ben Myers. And when Keith found out about this, he freaked out. Other women Keith was sleeping with, including Nancy Salzman, encouraged Daniela to apologize to Keith, but he decided that wasn't enough. Keith locked Daniela in a small room as punishment and would keep her there for two years. That was the craziest part of all these documentaries I saw, this locking this girl in a room for two years. And that everyone just was like, okay with that. Yeah, right. Nobody had a problem with this. It's unbelievable. Fucking parents didn't have a problem with this. She's a kid. Daniela was only allowed a mattress, a pen, and paper. Who Her parents, who were complete believers in Keith, brought her food, but refused to speak to her as per orders from Keith. Danielle wrote daily letters to Keith for two years apologizing and begging him to be let out, but it would come out later that he never read any of them. Insanity. Yeah, each part of this, like, I've hated this guy more and more. It's what a piece of shit. I feel like I hate this guy more than any other cult person. I don't, I don't know why. I don't fancy myself a tough person, mostly because I just use the word fancy myself, a tough hey, person. You're a fancy boy. You're not <laughs> a tough guy. I would, a beat, fancy I, would, boy. I would beat the shit out of Keith Ranieri. I'm sure you would. He can wear his knee pads, his Velcro shoes. Like, I'm not a tough guy. Most people would beat the shit out of me. Most men or women would beat the shit out of me. <laughs> I, would, I would take this guy. Motherfucker. I agree. Come at me, Keith. Next celebrity boxing <laughs> fucking cult leader versus podcast superstar. I would pay to watch that. Yeah. Well, you'd be, you'd be one of my corner men. Oh, well, sure. You're, you're going to have to cut me when I got like that big. <laughs> cut me, Dave. Cut, cut yeah. me. Yeah. And then Ian's going to be the guy rubbing ice on me, telling me what to do. Like, dude, you got to start, start ducking low, cutting him with the right. Duck low, cut him with the right. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? I'm going to go beat this guy with, a knee, with his own knee pad. The guy's like five foot four, right? You could take him. He just, yeah. Like, I don't know. Plus just the rage I have for what this piece of shit did. Like, let's go, motherfucker. I'll fucking 300 kick his ass out of the ring. This is Sparta. And I'll fucking kick him right in the chest. And he just goes flying out of the ring. It won't even be a kickboxing fight, but I'll make it. I'll get DQ'd just for beating him, you know, kicking him and beating him down. I'll take... I'll take the L just for the ass whooping that I give him. Give him a wedgie even. They, uh, probably. He's probably had enough wedgies. <laughs> Hang him from the ring post, like outside <laughs> by his trunks. So he's hanging there like, hey, let me down. Let me down. <laughs> Settle down there, fucking salt, small sweater, pal. 
at the same time Keith was doing this to Daniela, somewhere in between 2009 and 2010, he started a sexual relationship with Allison Mack. Allison started showing all the signs of women that Keith had relationships with. She was sickly and dropping massive amounts of weight. Keith was attracted to borderline anorexic women and would manipulate them into unhealthy weight loss. Former Nexium members have gone on record saying that you could always tell when someone was in an active sexual relationship with Keith because they looked, quote, scary skinny. They also said that the girls looked like they had bobbleheads. That was another oh. thing that I read a lot, like a lot of comments, like they were so skinny that their, their heads mm. looked oversized. So not only was he just a scrawny, short, like little dweeby piece of shit, he body shamed these women into losing all this weight, an unhealthy amount of weight to fit what he thought they should look like. Awful. Yeah. For the record, girls, if you want to eat a cheeseburger, eat a fucking cheeseburger. I live by the motto <laughs> that thick lives or thick thighs save lives. So go ahead and do it. Plump up. Look good. Look healthy. And don't let fucking people like this, uh, you know, make you feel bad. Fuck this guy. Hell yeah. I applaud that, Mike. Yeah. He's a piece Absolutely. of shit. Also, I stand by that. Thick That's... thighs save lives. They really do. You know who else is I know a guy. I know a guy. He almost died. And he fell between a pair of thick thighs. He's still alive. <laughs> saved him. Yeah. Saved he was going to crack his head on the concrete. It yeah. caught him. Thighs saved his life. <laughs> I don't know. That just pisses me off. Like, how, how do you do that to someone? How does this piece of shit feel entitled to body shame anybody? It's true. This guy's a nothing. He's a five foot. What? Four, what did we say? Four? Like nothing. Velcro shoe wear, motherfucker. Yeah. Really, dude? Oh, that annoys me. Body shaming in general annoys me, but yeah. And also, Allison Mack was like twenty-seven at this time. He had no business like having Allison Mack, right? No, she was a good-looking girl. She was famous. Like what the fuck? She man? was yeah. But like, I don't know. He he preyed on her mental weakness, I guess. Like that that needing something more. Yeah. And apparently knew what to say because we've talked about it every episode. He knew how to get these women into him. Just goes to show you, right? And then he gets them all fucking, you know, like we said, sickly scrawny, looking like bobbleheads. Which is not attractive. It's not attractive and it's not healthy. Go get you that double cheeseburger from McDonald's. I'll pay for it. <laughs> I'll even pay for it. Don't send me all your bills. I, don't, I can't pay for all that, but. Mike's buying around for America. I support Cheeseburger you. on him. Yeah. Nice. I want to start a new campaign, anti-body shaming Necronom Pod. Just pictures of people eating cheeseburgers all across the country. And they're big booties. Yeah. Yeah. Men and women. Show us your big booties. <laughs> it's the anti-Keith Ranieri movement. Absolutely. We celebrate all body shapes and sizes. Goddamn right we do. I want to be clear. Every body shape and size is welcome in our cult that we're starting slowly by manipulating each of you every week when you listen to our voices. <laughs> we won't make you starve. We want you at any, any height, weight, you know, physical appearance that you want. You do you. You do you, and then we'll do you in our cult. <laughs> And then you'll make us a ham sandwich and go, go clean up. And you know what? We'll even share the ham sandwich with them after they make it because we want them to eat. <laughs> Anyways. All right. I digress. <laughs> this, that paragraph got me hot. I got I all fired up. So when Smallville came to an end after 10 seasons, Allison devoted herself to Keith even further and bought a house in Albany, New York, and committed herself full time to Nexi. Crazy. Have you ever seen you Smallville? Know, I have no, not. I, I know of the show. I mean, it's like it a like, Superman, right? It was like the CW show or something like that. Like I'm, on one of the, the CW I network. I've never seen it. Yeah. I, I didn't I, even know I, who this I girl was. I don't like was. Superman, so. Mm. 
Wow. Like, that's the Shots worst superhero. Fired. Damn. <laughs> Fucking Cleveland, dude. Seriously? Wow. This guy, Steelers fan, and he hates Superman. Well, yeah. It's well known Ian hates the city of Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland tells you to go fuck yourself today, my friend. <laughs> I knew of the show Smallville, and I knew of the name Allison Mack, but I don't know. Mm. Like, I never really watched it, mm. and I don't even know if I could point Allison Mack out of, like, a lineup of people. Yeah. So not super famous. I mean, famous enough, though, right? You're on a, a weekly show? Yeah, I guess. Not to me. Yeah. Some, I mean, I'm sure there's comic bird book nerds out there that love that show like right like the superman fans i don't know jerry seinfeld would have watched smallville <laughs> right so he was a huge superman fan he was any hoodles wanting to distance from the call allegations in the press nexi members sought the endorsement of the dalai lama spending two million dollars on the project this is also going on in 2009 so 2009 is a big year for keith as far as trying to keep control and the public image and everything on May 6, 2009, the Dalai Lama traveled to Albany to give a talk. During the event, he presented Keith with a white scarf on stage. The Dalai Lama additionally wrote the foreword to the book, The Sphinx and the Thlexpia, which Keith co-authored in 2009. So, And this was a huge event. I mean, like all the, all the press in Albany was... You know, of course, they're all over this. The Dalai Lama's come in there. Yeah, Dalai Lama's a big deal. It's a big thing. Yeah. And then he's there presenting the, the white scarf on Keith, you know, giving Keith an endorsement in front of the media and stuff. Eight years later, it was revealed that Sarah Bronfman had a 2009 sexual relationship with Lama Tenzin Doden, the Dalai Lama's gatekeeper who arranged the appearance and who, as a monk, had taken a vow of celibacy. Amid accusations of corruption, Dondon was replaced. So A2 Dalai Lama. <clears throat> when you can buy the Dalai Lama, we're just we're all doomed. It's very disappointing. Well, I watched well, that. The Dalai- it, they show the vow. Like they have it in the vow. They have all this like because mm-hmm. that that Mark Vicente guy filmed everything for Keith. So they had all the film the footage of going to see the Dalai Lama and then the Dalai Lama coming back here and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there watching it and I'm thinking and, and saying, I'm like, they're paying, they're buying this somehow. There is no fucking way the Dalai Lama is all about Keith Raniere. Like there's some right, type right. of corruption going on here. Either they're giving him money or something is happening. All I can hope is the Dalai- $2 million on it and banged his, uh, yeah, his advisor. I just hope the Dalai Lama put that two million to good use in the world. Then I would feel a little better. We'll never know. No, probably not. Even though he had this, this, this was a huge win for him as far as you know, public image is concerned. 2010 brought a second wave of media attacks against Keith and Nexium. In November of 2010, Vanity Fair published an article titled "The Heiresses and the Cult." The article detailed the cult aspects of Nexium, but it also focused on the fact that by 2010, Keith had spent 150 million of the Bronfman sisters' money. <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> the New York Post also ran an article reporting on the Nexium 9 and the subtle threats Keith had made that he had people killed before. On recorded video that was never intended for the public between Barbara Boucher and Keith, the conversation goes as quote. All right. So for this, I'll do, I'm going to do Keith and Dave will do Barbara just so we can differentiate who's saying what you don't have the experience of leadership. You don't have the experience of preserving people's lives with what you say. And the truth of the matter is, well, in a way, neither do you. 
Yes, I do. No, you don't. Because the only company before this was Consumer Byline, and that, in my understanding, fell apart within a few years. Or was on the downfall after a couple years when you got sued or whatever it was. That's not... Well, here's the thing. I've been shot at because of my beliefs. I've had to make choices. Should I have bodyguards? Should I have them armed or not? I've had people killed because of my beliefs and their beliefs. That's a bold statement. <laughs> right? This is now, that's the end of the conversation. That's not, that's not Barbara's yeah. thing. That's a bold statement. We should have ended that with, yeah! <laughs> Fuck, I messed up. <laughs> and their beliefs. Yeah! It would have been perfect. This is, it's, it's weird, man, because last week we talked about his links to two mysterious deaths, Kristen Snyder and um, Gina Hutchinson. And Kristen Snyder was the one that they ruled a suicide, right? Because there was like a, a note found, whether or not it was hers or not, we don't know. But it seemed like it was a sketchy situation. There's two other women, Barbara Jeske and Pam Kafritz, who also died around Keith. Pam Kafritz was one of Keith's roommates early on. She's the one that would take all the girls to the abortion clinic and bring girls for Keith to have sex. Barbara Jeske also lived with Keith for a time, too. Both of those women ended up dying from cancer. There is some suspicion about this because a woman we're going to talk about in a bit here, Kristen Keefe, also was diagnosed with cancer after living with Keith for some time. And she would ultimately survive from this. So a forensic scientist named Jason Kowalski got a hold of hair samples from Barbara Jeske and Pam Kafritz. And his report says that they tested for high levels of heavy metal which was consistent with rat poison. No shit. Arsenic. So, yep. The suspicion is out there, and I'm not sure if it's actually being investigated by law enforcement. I, I would assume it would be at this point, but that Keith was slowly poisoning some of these women. Wow. Which is very believable, unfortunately. Very believable. He was done with them, and uh, right, plausible way to get rid of them, right? Unfortunately, yeah. Fuck. In 2011, Tony Natalia filed a lawsuit against Keith for the years of him raping her when she didn't want to have sex. And in 2012, the Times New Union reported on the statutory rape that Keith had been committing for years with underage, with underage members. Keith convinced his members that these were all coordinated attacks from non-believers, and because the statute of limitations had expired on the statutory rape crimes, police were unable to bring charges against Keith. And this just bolstered, like, reading people that were in the group, you know, close to Keith at this time, like, this just, I don't know, inflated his ego and made the claims real to everybody else. Like, yeah, these are coordinated attacks, because if, if he was committing crimes, police would arrest them, was kind of how people were thinking. Sure. Statute of limitation stuff is wild, isn't it? Yeah, it's not always the best. I mean, I get the point, but it's sometimes, well, I don't know. It'll be a whole bonus episode one day. Statute of limitations. Yeah, I, just, I think it's interesting. I don't disagree. This constant juggle of setbacks and regaining control would continue for Keith. And in 2014, he suffered a ma another major defection. Kristen Keefe, who was one of Keith's three roommates back when this all started, had become pregnant years earlier. Instead of making her get an abortion, Keith allowed her to keep the baby. Since... Keith was claiming this whole time in, in public to be celibate. The paternity of his son was hidden from everyone. 
Why not just make it a sex cult at this point, you know? <clears throat> What's the celibate lie? Like, what is it gaining you? I guess to bring in the general, more general public to make all that money and then yeah. just have hide, sex with yeah. the closest hide, people. Hide the fact you're banging every But you have Claire there with a billion dollars. You've already blown $150 million. I mean, just maybe don't yeah. blow all that money and you don't need people with money to come in. Yeah. Or know. just run, strange. run away with Claire and just live your life with her and the $150 billion or the billion dollars. And have and, sex with whoever you want. Yeah. And then, but like not have a cult, like just yeah. go live your life. Weird. Kristen fled in 2014 and wrote in an email that she feared for her son's safety because Keith was experimenting on the boy. It isn't clear as to what the experimenting was, but it could be in rent. But it could be in reference to a childcare group that Keith created shortly after the boy was born. This group was called the Rainbow Cultural Gardens. A year before Kristen defected, a woman going under the alias Inez sent a letter to an investigative journalist that she wanted out of Nexium and was beginning to suspect that the children's program was being used to groom children for sexual purposes. Inez claimed that Keith said he wanted to use the program to teach children that sex was a good thing and should be practiced openly. Well, we're getting into children of God territory now. <laughs> right? Dangerously close. Mm-mm. If this is accurate, it would make sense as to why Kristen fled with her son and why a week after leaving, she reached out to Barbara Boucher for, for advice because she was in hiding, fearing for her life. Kristen claimed that she was well aware of things Keith was capable of and detailed a plan Keith came up with to imprison Barbara, Tony Natale, and Susan Dones. Allegedly, Keith had bribed a Mexican judge to issue an indictment against the three women. From there, the three would be lured down to Mexico, and once they were there, they would be imprisoned. <laughs> I couldn't fathom being this big of a piece of shit. This guy is a 100% prick all around. That's putting it nicely, I almost think. <laughs> and like we talked about last week, he's completely capable of this because he had the son of the Mexican president. Right, right. Or the daughter of the a daughter of an ex-Mexican president and the son of the current Mexican president. I forgot. I time. forgot all about that. So he absolutely had the connections in Mexico. Yeah, 100% to I, pretty much he could do whatever he wanted. And I know from watching Netflix Narcos series how corrupt the hierarchy of the government in Mexico is. <laughs> I haven't watched that yet. <laughs> so good. It's Jason Bateman, right? No, that's Ozark. Oh, Ozark's what I'm thinking. This is Narcos. Aren't they both drug shows? Yeah, first it was about Pablo Escobar and the cocaine trade out of Colombia. Gotcha. Then it switched to the, to I the Mexican that. cartels. Yep. It's really good. I have not seen that either. Ozark or Narcos, what should I watch? Oh. Spoiler alert, I'm going to finish watching The West Wing and I'm going to rewatch Veep. So we're talking six months down the line here. Uh, go with those are. Yeah. yeah. I do like Jason Bateman. Yeah. It's okay. great. And everything's better than, uh, Arrested Development, right? So. I don't love it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> love None it. None of us do. <laughs> Ian does. No, I thought it's one of my favorite shows. He loves it. Oh, I don't know why I always thought the three of us all just were like, nah, it's not that great. Nope. I've watched it over again multiple times. kind of like The Office for I, me. I know there's people out there that love it and, you know, who am I to shit on it? It just was not for me. I got like 10 or 12 episodes in and I was like, I'm bored. Anyways. I do love Jason Bateman, though. Yeah, I wanted to love it. I don't know. Yeah, I really did. I wanted to love Maybe that was the problem. I wanted to love it too much. Yeah. I'll give it another try maybe one day. Kristen Keefe defecting was the last draw for Keith as far as control was concerned. And it seemed like this was the push he needed to implement, it, in my opinion, 
what he wanted this whole time. And kind of what you said, Dave was like, why didn't he just create this sex cult? And I think this was the push that, that pushed him to like, that's what he really wanted this whole time. A sex cult. I mean, right. Why not? I mean, but he could have had it earlier. No, he seems to be banging everyone already. Right. So like, why not just make it an official thing? Right. I don't know. That's weird. But he's a weird guy. He is a weird guy. In 2015, he started another sub organization under Nexium called DAS, which stood for Latin Dominus Obsequious Sororium that loosely translates to master over slave. Keith designed DOS to be a pyramid scheme, just like Consumer's Byline, but DOS would be for sexual slavery. <laughs> These guys love their pyramid schemes, don't they? And if you look at how DOS was set up, it, it is literally just a straight up pyramid yeah, scheme right, of, exactly. of women. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it's just like to kind of dilute like where the power comes from then? Like if you have so many branches going out so far and so many people involved and someone answers always to someone else, maybe it... You almost feel like it hides you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. To hide his involvement in this. I think that was it. Sure. But in the end, it's like, again, the office of the ep- the episode of The Office where Michael tells all those lies and then they all pinpoint back to him. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like in the end, you're like, motherfucker, they're going to figure it out. All roads lead back. And there's our weekly office reference. Typically, Keith would have Pam Kafritz, who we've talked about, find him women and then take them to get abortions. But at this time, Pam was dying of cancer, so Keith turned to Allison Mack. Allison would be one of Keith's first-line slaves, including Lauren Salzman, Daniela Padilla, Nikki Klein, Loretta Garza, Rosa Junco, Monica Duran, and Camila, which that's the alias we talked about earlier. She's was one of the sisters. Oh, she's she was a sis- she's a sister of the girl that was locked in a clo- in that small room. Gotcha. Unbelievable. So she's in witness protection now. Correct. These women would refer to Keith as their master. He pitched this to them that being enslaved by him would help them become masters of their own lives. Once this control was accomplished, Keith would set them out to get their own slaves. Each of these women were to recruit women into DOS to serve as their slaves. The second line slaves were not told that Doss had anything to do with Keith. None of them knew that he was at the top of this pyramid. They joined under the false claim that Doss was a secret women's sorority within Nexium. Did all the first line slaves know about all the other first line slaves or did they think they were the only one? Ooh, good question. No, they all knew about each other. Okay. He would have he would have meetings where he had them all get naked and they would have to sit around him and he would talk and do his shit it's wild spoiler alert he probably was not naked and also had knee pads on (laughs) no he was not he definitely was not naked no velcro shoes and knee pads Mm. (laughs) fucking asshole he really is an asshole with the pitch for dos coming from a high level member other women usually agreed before they were told any details of what dos was other than the line about it being a woman's sorority the person would have to give the first line slave a form of collateral to make sure they kept it a secret. A collateral was usually a nude photograph, but would later expand to, to videos of the women being recruited saying damning things about herself or family members, whether they were true or not. And all of this collateral was then sent directly to Keith. This guy liked the close-ups too. Yeah, he did. What do you mean by that? He liked the close-up veg shots. Um, okay. That's his thing, I guess. 
I mean, fuck him, but yeah. everyone has their own thing. That wouldn't be what I'm asking for in a nudie. Once in DOS, slaves had to listen to their master no matter what. Part of proving this commitment and grooming a slave was readiness drills. This meant that slaves had to respond to a text from their masters within one minute, no matter what time it was. If they failed to do this, they were punished. <laughs> it's so silly, all of this. And Ian, we watched the seduced uh, documentary, and it was crazy. Like, all hours of the night, every day, constantly, just nonsense with text replies and all kinds of just silliness. It was. It, it yeah, had to it, be exhausting for these girls. And, and I know... Like I, I think it was India Oxenberg on Seduced, or maybe it was someone in The Vow said it. But that they, they felt like, even though they were going along with this, they still felt uncomfortable calling like Allison Mack master and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they would just start abbreviating it and saying M. M, right, right. And they showed like the text threads, and it would say like, you know, the readiness thing, whatever. And then there would just be like a flood of M's coming in, like people reporting in. It's weird. Yeah. Punishment came in different forms, from forced to take cold showers or stand barefoot in the snow to physical beatings. According to court documents, at times Keith would call his first-line slaves, like someone like Allison or Laura Salzman, during beatings and instruct them how to do it to make it hurt worse. Ugh. A guy who's never given a beating in his entire life mm -hmm. likes to call girls and tell them how to beat other girls. Okay, pal. What kind of uh, hazing and... Uh beatings and shit are we going to have for like our cult for Necronomicult? Like, <laughs> like my thought initially is like, you have to come and sit and watch an entire NASCAR race with me and I'm going to explain everything to you. I'm not even doing that shit. Well, you're already in. You're it's awful. <laughs> Dave, you're, 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 you're highest ketosis you can get in our cult. You have to listen. To also, also fuck you. You've watched plenty of NASCAR races with me. Don't try to play it off. You might be there for the beer and the food, which is fine. I don't know what the fuck's sat, going on. It's a bunch of left well, turns, man. Hey, just ask, dude, I'll explain it all to you. I'm going to explain it all to you next time. Every lap. I'm going to explain what's going on. I just nod. I'm like, yep. yeah, it's cool, man. Hey, so anyways, <laughs> that's, that's how I'm going to haze people in our, in our cult. I don't know what you guys plan to do. I'm going to make people sit. I'm going to make people sit and watch NASCAR with me while we drink beer and eat pizza. Did you have any good hazing in the basement at your frat house? Like any paddling? Thank you, sir. May I have another type stuff? Uh, or? I 100% did not. I like know. DVDs in your butt cheeks that you had to pass <laughs> along to the next person? <laughs> Nothing cool like that? Yeah. No. All right. I was, it was very anti-hazing. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't talk about my fraternity if there was actual hazing and shit like that. <laughs> I'd, I'd be, fuck that. All right. No. Fair enough. I, had, I did not have to do any of that. Thank you, sir. May I have another? <laughs> I was fortunate, <laughs> although I like the CD from butt cheek to butt cheek. Yeah, I'd not heard of that one. Where you're all naked and then you got to. No, I, I get it. I get it. it. I was going <laughs> to paint the picture for you if yeah. you didn't get yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. This was I was going through college at about the same time. <sighs> it was either a little before or a little after, where there was a fraternity somewhere where they made their pledges get in the back of a U-Haul, like one of the hauling ones, like not the. And it was a U-Haul mm -hmm. with a keg and they had, they wouldn't stop the U-Haul until they drank all the beer and the pledges died of alcohol poisoning. That is terrible. My fraternity was pointed out and attacked by Rolling Stone for sexual assault allegations. The one in Virginia. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. They ended up Charlottesville. They had to recant everything. I remember that Because too. it was a hundred percent not true. Mm. Yeah. I only bring that up because it was not true. Well, it, I um, mean, it was true at your 
fraternity. It wasn't true <laughs> in, in the University of Virginia, right? Nope, nope. Oh, there was no okay. sexual assault going on. Not during V Week or anything. No, they lined up. They showed up to me. I didn't go looking for them. Okay. And then Just they got crown sure. queen. Like they wanted that prize. Right. But yeah, so no, that was uh, yeah, Rolling Stone. And I, I like Rolling Stone magazine, but they. I was a swing and a miss by them, and and they had to go back on that one big I time. I remember that. Yeah. That was not good PR for uh, the fraternity at that point. I was out of college by then, but anyways, enough about fraternities. Let's talk about cults because there's a difference. Slight. <laughs> well, Slaves were required to meet with their masters three times a week. At these meetings, both the master and slaves were required to pose nude for a group photo that Keith specifically wanted to have the woman's legs spread with everything clearly visible. See, I told you. He was also very particular that he did not want them to shave either down there. So, oh, well, so come wait, on, but this isn't, sicko. <laughs> this isn't saying he wanted <laughs> close-ups, though. He just wanted spread leg. But what like he wanted full like, body with, with, a, with a vag shot. I, I don't mm. think so. Well, I, I remember specifically in that seduce where she was telling a story where she had she was in her car all, anywhere, but specifically in her car, like who, a close who was up she? Indy Oxenberg mm. having to send Keith a close up of her vag mm. in the car. Do you think he paid for her college for a picture of that wet ass pussy? <laughs> no, he didn't pay for anything. That's the bought that's a, the bought cra- her a phone just for pictures of that wet ass pussy. I would buy a phone to view pictures of Megan Thee Stallion's <laughs> wet ass pussy. That's all I was getting at. I don't mean to make light of this. Like, fuck this guy. Like, for real. He's I would a piece buy of an shit. iPhone 12 for that. <laughs> Zoom in, get the high quality photo. Yeah, probably. You know what? I think I would too. But I would not make them do it, which is just a form of assault and rape that he's doing here. Yeah, but but going back to that in that in that documentary. A, she kept going back to the fact that she was making no money. She was teaching classes. She was a slave. She was doing this. She was living in Albany full time, but she had never made a penny, nothing. And it's hard to imagine what the draw to all this is. Was Inez one of the top rung slaves? India. I'm sorry, India. She was not. Okay. She was a second line slave. Second she was line one of Alice and Max slaves. So, but I wonder like, were the Alice and Max slaves even making anything probably nobody right i don't think anybody was making any money you get, so you, get india, the, you get the approval of keith yeah exactly. that's what you do it for india was allison max slave so she was a second line slave she was doing all this teaching courses doing this and that all this all these whatever menial tasks she never made a penny like what is holding you to this cult is it like you think you're you're like the you're bettering yourself Still, like, are they still, are they still thinking that? I don't know. I don't. I mean, I'm just asking questions. I don't know. I guess I think it just goes to show you the depth of that 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 cults pull people in like this. I think a lot of people are quick to say, you know, it would never be me. I'm trying to be more understanding of this because some of these, you know, bright, sane people seem to get sucked into this, and I'm trying to understand how that happens. Yeah, I, you know, I think the other thing is maybe sometimes that we, uh, when you do like an hour, like what we did like wound up doing like three or four hours on this all together, but you kind of yada yada over time. Like Indy Oxenberg at the time that she became a slave was in there for seven years. Yeah. She wasn't a newbie by any means. No. So it's seven years of this echo chamber. And now these are all people are considered your family and your closest friends. Yeah. That's a good point. I think that has a lot to do with being scared. It's your whole life. Yeah. It's your whole life at that point. Yeah. 
everyone you know and everyone you love is a part of this. Yes. So you just do it. And maybe you have some uh, reluctance, but nonetheless, the people you trust and love are telling you to do it. Mm -hmm. Slaves were also forced by their masters to stick to a 500 calorie a day diet, which was clearly based on Keith's attraction to unhealthy, underweight women. When I when I saw that and, and read about like and saw an example of what those girls were allowed to eat, I'm like, fuck, I eat <laughs> way over that just for breakfast. Like, yeah. By the time I hit lunch, I'm like, like way over that. Three of us fucking dad bod it's fat crazy. asses. Crazy. Like she had to text Allison like, hey, can I, uh, master, can I have some cottage cheese? 500 calories a day. I feel like I'm going to go home tonight after recording and probably at least have 1,200 calories before I go to bed tonight. <laughs> like, I, I legit have two McDoubles from McDonald's waiting at home for me. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you do. I don't know what the calorie count on that is, because I don't give a fuck, and I'm not answering to Keith <laughs> fucking small dick asshole. But, like, 500 calories a day. God damn it. Well, you can look at pictures of Allison Mack from back in those times. and I mean, her arms are, you know, as big as my, my middle finger. She's tiny. She looks terrible. Such a, like a successful woman too, like yeah, right. like a powerful successful woman. It's just it's just so sad. I mean, we got a pumpkin roll from the store, right? The other day, Ooh, I, I love pumpkin looked, rolls. <laughs> I love the start of that <laughs> sentence. Like, yeah, we got a pumpkin roll. It was like a pause. <laughs> was like okay. I, I looked at it. I looked at the thing and it said one piece was three hundred and twenty calories. I ate that whole thing <laughs> in a day and a half. <laughs> How so how many, I mean, how many pieces? Five. Well, Dave, it's one uh, piece if you did like a candy bar. <laughs> so technically, he, he, yeah. he ate this one piece. If I cut it in half, it's only six hundred <laughs> calories, right? <laughs> and that that wasn't breakfast, lunch, or dinner. That was just me snacking on stuff. So oh. I, I couldn't even imagine five hundred calories a day. That's ridiculous. It's, it's like Christian Bale eating a can of tuna and an apple to get ready for the rolling the machinist. But at least Christian Bale wasn't necessarily forced to do it. He chose to do yeah, that. But I'm just it, it can't be easy. For the record pumpkin rolls, fucking phenomenal. I like pumpkin rolls so too. Good. Yeah. So good. And finally all slaves had to remain celibate. This was pitched to them by their masters as helping to empower them as women. But really, it was Keith at the top making sure that no one else touched these women. Ridiculous. As things went along, Keith issued an assignment to his first line slaves. They were to order the second line slaves to sexually seduce him. The second line slaves were required to send a nude picture to Keith. And then an in-person meeting was scheduled where the slave would be required to be fully undressed and wait for Keith to come in the room. Once there, Keith would take a photo of the woman and then engage in sexual activity with them. In most cases, he would just perform oral sex on them and then leave. Do you think he just got off on the photographs? Because it seems like all of this is based on like photographs, like group photographs and some of your vag up close. And I don't know, like, I don't know. It just seems to me like he just rather like go beat <laughs> off to photographs of these women than actually like fuck them. It is kind of weird. Ian, in in the in that seduce, didn't she say she had to go in this room, lay down nude, and he just came in and started performing oral on her? Didn't she say at one point she looked down on him to see if he was erect and he was not? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. just a weird, mm. like one of those guys. I, I that, wonder if it's just all about this, the power and like the sadisticness of hurting people. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Like, the power so then like you go back to your room and now you have this photo of this chick 
And then that's what gets him off. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a really weird thing. Just like the weird. Yeah. But I mean, clearly he gets off on the power. Like, that's what this whole thing's about. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the fact that he can walk in and do that. Yeah. Without any resistance or mm-hmm. any questions or having to say anything or, you know, I don't know. You know what it is. He's a fucking cheater. He gets that up close picture ahead of time. Now he knows where to go to find the fucking clip. <laughs> this fucking guy <laughs> is putting together his own treasure map. So he knows exactly what to do. All right. Okay. Fuck you, Keith. <laughs> fuck you. He's making you look bad, Mike. Yeah. See? <laughs> this guy's wearing Velcro shoes and knee pads, yet he knows honed in on the clip. Because he knows. Because I know when, in all women, like it's all over the place. You don't know. It could be left, could be right, up, down, could be in their butt cheeks, on their thighs. Belly button. Some, some women might not even have one. They might not have them. Most, I don't, I think, don't. It's like 15% from what I've read in medical journals. But this guy now has a picture. He can scout out ahead of time. He's fucking running a playbook like he's John Madden over here. Ahead of, so he walks right in. Boom, on his knees. He knows where to go. Oh, all of a sudden, he's a cunnilingus expert. Fuck that guy. There's That's dishonor. You need to go in in the dark environment and explore for yourself. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm an explorer. I'm an explorer. I'm not a cult leader. Sorry. All right, Ian, save me. Just keep talking, please. The final test of commitment to Keith came in the form of physical branding. This would be done using a cauterizing pen by a doctor and longtime Nexium member, Danielle Roberts. Like we said earlier, Keith always maintained that he had no knowledge of DOS, and this was the same for the branding. It has been reported that the branding was Allison Mack's idea, but regardless of who thought of the idea first, Keith and Allison recorded themselves talking about the plans to brand the second line slaves. Because at the time of this recording, Allison and the other first line slaves had already been branded. Here's that recording. Keith and Allison, uh, what's the text? The 10th. No, the 9th. January 9th, 6.59 a.m. talking about branding on the wall. So, uh, I think doing the actual brand in an orderly fashion, mm-hmm. each of the seven strokes, <clears throat> having a certain ritualization, mm-hmm. <clears throat> maybe each of the strokes um, has uh, something that's said with them. Mm-hmm and maybe repeat it after the stroke is done. So like <clears throat> somebody says the thing while the stroke mm-hmm. is being done and then the person that's getting it done repeats it afterwards? Well, I don't know, yeah. You, you guys come up with something and propose it to me. Okay. Well, Because you've done it, so what would have been most meaningful, deep, surrendering, focusing for you? I think it probably having it whispered in my ear and then me repeating it out loud. Uh-huh. And then having it whispered in my ear and then me repeating it out loud. Well, ask the others. It's not all you. Uh-huh. Oh, I thought you were <laughs> asking me. It. No, I said all of you guys who've gone through it. Yes. yes. Okay. <clears throat> the other thing is, you guys did it and you weren't completely nude because you had a outsider and a guy doing it or whatever, do you think the 
person who's being branded should be completely nude and sort of held to the table like a sort of almost like a sacrifice i don't know if that that's a feeling of submission you know so Uh, it also, of course, videoing it and videoing it uh, from different angles or whatever gives collateral. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, it probably should be a more vulnerable position type of a thing. Back, legs slightly, or legs spread straight, like being feet being held to the side of the table, hands probably above the head being held, almost like tied down, like a sacrificial whatever. And the person should ask to be branded. Okay. Should say, please brand me, it would be an honor, or something like that. And an honor I want to wear for the rest of my life, I don't know. And they should probably say that before they're held down. So it doesn't seem like they're being coerced. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know. Those are just thoughts. Okay. I, I want to punch him even more. Also, were they fucking running a marathon while they were recording that? Yeah, his pants are swishing like George in that Seinfeld episode. <laughs> <laughs> like they're also well. Also, he's a short man. He's probably trying to keep up with her. She's walking fast. You know, he's hustling. His little fucking legs are moving short. His tiny little dangles just peckered up inside of him because he doesn't have any pictures to look at. What a piece of shit. Well, that was a big. That's a big tactic of his. Was he was always walking, like power walking around real late at night, and he would take people mm. just one woman at a time on these walks with him where he would talk all his philosophical bullshit and in this stuff so. <sighs> that made me want to punch him even mm -hmm. more so i'm I not think, a, i'm not a i'm go ahead i was gonna say our our, our live shows are gonna probably have branding booths you're gonna get your choice of either mr mugs or mike upside down doing the squirrel yeah <laughs> that'll be your two choices mm -hmm. or like my face on your kneecap looking for the clit <laughs> where's it at yeah. <laughs> but it'll be on your knee or your foot you know wherever just somewhere not close yeah <laughs> our branding boots <laughs> only a hundred dollars oh yeah only a hundred bucks we're not gonna rip you off brand yourself for life <laughs> we'll be right back is there something interfering with your happiness something keeping you from achieving your 2020 goals Let's face it, these are certainly trying times. From being cooped up inside your home to wondering how you're going to pay next month's bills, we're all experiencing some form of stress or strain on our mental health. And for that, BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp is an online mental health provider that will assess your needs and match you up with your own licensed professional therapist. The best part? No waiting rooms. That's a pretty big deal if you're as impatient as I am. BetterHelp is a safe and private online environment that will have you communicating with a counselor within the first 24 hours. And once you've begun, you can send your counselor a message at any time, always getting a helpful response in a timely manner. You even have the ability to schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all from the comfort of your very own couch. 
BetterHelp is available worldwide and has a broad range of expertise available, including licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflict, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're currently recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Not happy with your counselor? No worries. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and makes it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Remember, everything you share with your BetterHelp counselor is completely confidential. And while it's not a crisis line, it is a convenient, professional, and affordable way to seek the help you deserve. Financial aid is even offered to those who qualify. Want to hear how BetterHelp assisted people just like you? Check out the testimonials posted daily on their site. Look, we here at Necronomapod want you to start living a happier life. So, as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com Necro. Join over 1 million people already taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, BetterHelp.com slash Necro. In early 2017, Lawrence Halsman expanded her recruiting for DOS to a woman named Sarah Edmondson. Sarah was a top Nexium recruiter, and her and Mark Vicente were in charge of their own Nexium hub in Vancouver, Canada. Sarah and Lauren were very close. Sarah considered Lauren her best friend. Lauren had officiated Sarah's wedding and was the godmother to her son. So when Lauren approached her with the idea of DOS, she in no way thought that Lauren would bring her into something that would hurt her. One would think, right? <laughs> right. She later recounted that she was really thrown off by the idea of collateral. But at the end of the day, she still trusted Lauren. Like you watch interviews with her, you know, she's featured a lot on The Vow. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, that's really fucking weird. Like, why do you want a naked picture of me? But all right, I guess you're my best friend. Like you wouldn't do anything to hurt me. Yeah. She also didn't like the idea of being called a slave and having to refer to Lauren as master. But Lauren said it was more of a formality than anything else. It wasn't anything literal. Oh, of course not. Eh, Mescuzzi, mescuzzi. Nothing, nothing. (laughs) It's also worth noting that like with many of these women, Sarah had spent a long time in Keith's women's group, Jeunesse, that was grooming them to be okay with this stuff. And Jeunesse went on to involve men being a part of it too. What? That's really featured in The Vow, and it's not talked about in Seduced. So they had Jeunesse, and he also had a men's group that was like this how-to-be-a-better-man type group. Eventually, he blended the two together, and literally, it's just men shitting on women the whole time and just putting them down. I was going to ask, what what in Keith's mind means being a better man? Because literally, anything other than him is a better man. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Fucking play volleyball without knee pads and you're a better man. (laughs) Learn how to tie your shoes and you're a better man. So I think that's, uh, that's like we were talking about how like Indian Ox, India Oxenberg was, it took seven years that she was in this. This is, it's also, it's like, it's like this slow burn of just being broken down and, and being okay with this kind of stuff. After Sarah was in DOS for a while and completely indoctrinated into the system, Lauren invited Sarah to fly out to Albany, New York to partake in a commitment ceremony. 
On March 9th, 2017, Sarah and four other women were blindfolded and driven to a house for the ceremony. Lauren refused to tell them where they were going, but Sarah could see out of the bottom of her blindfold that they were at Allison Mack's house. Nope, sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> very, very sneaky. <laughs> Lauren led the four women into a room and instructed them to take off their blindfolds and their clothes. Sarah noticed that the room had a large massage table, which made sense to her because Lauren told them that they were going to be getting a group tattoo of a symbol that represented the elements. When Lauren pulled down her pants to reveal what they were getting, Sarah was like, what the fuck? Because it wasn't a tattoo. It was a straight up brand. Mm. According to Sarah, she felt stuck at that moment like i really don't want to get fucking branded but if i refuse to go along with this what happens to that collateral that she sent to lauren that's a bad spot to be in and that's i guess the point of the whole collateral to begin with in some of these it's a naked photo of yourself yeah. right but sometimes it's like things that you've made up about your family yeah. or family well that's secrets, what we talked about earlier stuff. sure yeah. i again just feel bad because i i feel like they were manipulated into thinking like a naked photo of themselves was the worst thing in the world. Mm. Like, I don't think like, okay. So a naked photo of you's out there. So what? I mean, I'm not saying that it's okay for everybody. Well, but it's I like, mean, it's a guy the, with washboard abs and a 10 inch cock like yourself <laughs> might not worry about their <laughs> naked course. picture getting out there. Of course. But I mean, I don't know that everyone feels the same, but it's like, I understand that, but you're also like, you're not like a celebrity. So like, is that photo really going to, it's not going to make the, the cover of people magazine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, yeah, I don't, I don't and that's, know. that's not to say that, you know, it's bad, but it's like, I don't know, maybe he, my thought was he beat them down so much that it's like, Oh, I could never have my body seen because it's not, it's not what Keith likes. I didn't starve myself enough. That's interesting. I don't know. Well, I know specifically in Sarah Edmondson's case, it got to where before this happened, it was like, well, the nude photograph isn't enough. So we need you to admit something on video. And she's like, well, I don't really have anything to admit. They're like, well, I'll just make something up. So she, they got her to make up stuff about her husband. That wasn't true in her family. So, you know, mm. I don't know. Yeah. So then from and that, it, their standpoint, now you're scared. Like you don't want to, you don't want this stuff released about whatever you, you alleged, allegedly said. So, I mean, I get it. Yeah. In my mind, this might be because I'm an idiot, but I thought that when I think of a brand, I think of like just like a hot metal thing that just stick, you know, just stick mm -hmm. it on your skin real quick. All at once. Right. This was done with a cauterizing pen. So it was drawn on and the whole process took about 45 minutes to complete. That is crazy. So it's almost like a tattoo, but just like scalding hot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. It's burning. Yeah. You guys are all marked up. I have no tattoos. So tell me how it works. <laughs> I don't know how this works. I don't know how to branding work. Like like Ian branding. I think of, you know, cattle or fraternity brands that's where they put fraternity it. Fraternity brands. Yeah. A lot of fraternities get branded. Well, I don't think that's as true as you think it is. <laughs> Some. Uh, okay. Mike, have you seen the brand? What they look like? I have not seen the picture, but we'll post right, it. Right. We'll post it. I'll send it to you right now. So you got an idea of Wait. what. But like a one, yeah, a one piece like, with the coal yeah, and like a fire steel thing, boom, and, and, then put put, and then you're done in yep. five seconds. Yep. This is going tracing, you know, with a cauterizing pen, which mm. has to be extremely painful and and, and lasting. Way Forty five fucking minutes. Like that's a long time. Give me the actual brand that takes two seconds. Like yeah. put it on my skin and get the fuck out of here. Mm. Oh, that is brutal. Okay. 
And the process was exactly what Keith and Allison had talked about that was on that recording. Sarah said she was instructed to say, quote, Master, would you brand me? It would be an honor. A few weeks after, as this brand started to heal, Sarah was able to make out what it actually was. The symbol was not of the elements. It was a symbol made up of the letters K, R, A, and M for Keith Ranieri and Allison Mack. Puke. They were so full too, and 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 seduced. They show her, you know, even years later, with her mom trying to convince her that, you know, that was a uh, his Keith's initials and not, uh, you know, an element sign or whatever. She still didn't see it. She's like, no, she didn't see it. What? So after all this with Keith, like wanting to be in control, why was why was it Keith and Allison's initials? Like, why not just his? Was it her Share fame? some and, of the glory? I don't know. Like, her fame? Like, why wasn't it, like, the sisters, like, the billion-dollar sisters? Why was it just Allison Mack, whose initials? She became his because number two. She became, with, with regards to DOS, like, she was the number two, and that's why? Yeah. Okay. It's also just interesting to me that he would even share the spotlight like that. Like, you would think he would want just his initials branded on you. I think she was doing a good job. Bringing him people. Well, and she's a big name. She's high profile. Yeah, you got to keep her, right? Yeah, like listening to that video was just incredible to me. Like, that's a, that's a famous, you know, whether we watch the show or not, she's a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And here she is, like, talking to him about what they should brand their slaves with. Like, it's no big fucking thing. It wasn't. I assure you, when we brand our cult people, we will do a quick old school brand, like not a 45-minute process. Yeah, no cauterizing yeah. pen nonsense. Yeah, right, exactly. That's not how you brand we'll people. brand you real quick. <laughs> and in return, you get to brand us. That's, uh, no, no. It's fair. That's not the rule. My back. You get to brand, <laughs> no. my, you get to brand my back well. every time. By then, it, it'll be scar tissue after a few people. What the fuck's the matter? Jesus. You're not feeling that shit. You're on there. <laughs> we brand you. You brand Mike. Welcome to Necronomical. <laughs> Sarah wasn't like other people in the group. Like when when this healed, she immediately was like looking at it weird and then saw she's like, no, that's a fucking K and a and a fucking R. Like I have Keith Ranieri's initials branded right next to my vagina because that's where the brand was done at. Of course it was. Mm-hmm. So she reached out to Mark Vicente for help with her suspicions on what was going on because she thought as soon as she saw the initials, she's like, okay, so Keith definitely has something to do with DOS. So she reached out to Mark to tell him what happened to her. Mark had been the one to recruit Sarah over 10 years earlier, and they ran that hub in Vancouver, Canada together. Mark's wife, Bonnie, had left Nexium shortly before this after becoming disillusioned with the treatment of women in Jeunesse, and especially when they brought the men's group into Jeunesse. So Mark was kind of going through this. He was going through a lot of a big kind of, I guess, decision or whatever. Like he's really committed to Nexium, but his wife just left. Yeah, right. And this is his whole life. And it's, that's probably a tug of war. Moral dilemma, if you will. <laughs> right. So he had been hearing rumors about a women's group in Albany. And he was starting to get suspicious of things. You know, he had what his his wife was saying, the things that she had issue with. And he was also hearing about this women's group. And, and his wife was also bringing up suspicions of this because she was saying, like, Allison Mack does not look good. Like, she's extremely skinny. All these women are getting really skinny. Something's not right. 
So when Sarah called him and told him everything about the brand ceremony and how DOS was, how it worked and how it was set up, it confirmed everything that he had been suspecting. Sarah and her husband, Nippy, who they call him Nippy on all these documentaries, but his real name's Ant. His, it's just a nickname. His name is Anthony. I call Mike Nippy now since I know he doesn't like to have his nipples touched. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stay away. No fly zone. <laughs> they decided to leave Nexium in a very public way. So with Sarah leaving, Mark decided to defect. The Vancouver hub was left leaderless. And at that point, Sarah, Nippy, Mark, Bonnie, and India Oxenberg's mother, Catherine, started a mission to expose Keith and Nexium. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> if you remember from that seduced uh, documentary, there was audio of Nippy screaming at Lauren about how he branded, you branded my fucking wife screaming at her. So he was not pleased. Yeah. Nippy was not a happy camper. Well... No, he was if not. You're... In the vow, they play more of that. They play a full, or a more full version of mm. that conversation. And no, he is not happy at all. Imagine your wife comes home, you're messing around or whatever. You go down or what, and you see another man's initials on her vagina. Yeah, sure. Especially someone named Keith. Keith, fucking Keith. <laughs> and then like you've you've known because Nippy was a, was a part of it at one point, right? Like you've known, like you've seen this guy with his white little strap on shoes. And his little fucking headband and his glasses and his his shirt that comes down longer than his fucking thigh shorts. Not happy. I want to physically altercate with Keith Raniere so bad. Mm. I want to beat the fuck out of this guy. And I am not a, a violent man. Do like that show Prison Break where you where you rob a bank and then you get tossed in the same jail as your brother. So at that point, Sarah went to the FBI for an hour meeting where she told the agents what had happened to her. From there, she filed a complaint with the New York State Department of Health against Dr. Danielle Roberts, who performed the brand. And finally, she went to Frank Parlato. Everyone in Nexium was well aware of the fact that Frank wrote on his website the Frank Report about Keith and Nexium. Like we said in part two, Frank was hired as Keith's PR person. But when Frank started asking questions about how Keith lost so much of the Bronfman sisters' money in the commodities market, Keith fired him. As with everyone else, Keith went after Frank legally, suing him and trying to bring criminal charges against him for supposed money theft. This guy's intense. I watched that Vice Did you watch the interview video I sent you? He's intense, that guy. It's like, you fuck with the wrong guy, Keith. So, uh, you're you talking know, about Frank? In trouble, yeah. We got to get this Frank guy, I think, on the show, right? Oh, he, he'd come on the show. I mean, he's like the, uh, the what, the Tony, Tony Ortega of uh, Nexium. He seems like an interesting guy. Yeah. And Ian's already got a, a rapport with, you know, guys who break down cults systematically <laughs> and spend right. their lives destroying them. <laughs> Ian and Tony hit it off really well. Maybe we got to get this Frank guy on. I think we should. Does he have the socials, Ian? Do you know? I'm not sure. I know his, he's got his website still, the Frank report. All right. I'm going to draft up a very professional yeah. uh, email or tweet and I'll send it to him. Maybe that'll be a bonus show. It's we'll try. Uh, we'll try. I'll tell you what, the the video that I sent you guys today that, that Dave was talking about, he's uh, I, I would be kind of intimidated to talk to him. Not he's, a guy to fuck with. No, he's very not, intense. But that's not a bad thing. Like, we're just asking him questions. No, I think it'd be great. Like, it's not like we're challenging him. Also, fuck, I, I don't blame him for being intense. Like, fuck this guy. I'm intense, too. Maybe yeah. I need to interview him. And then the both of us will just fucking start a riot. 
That's what happens when I'm all, I'm all jacked up on Nick Ultra <laughs> and IPAs. <laughs> My NASCAR boy won a championship. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Boy. So Anyways, good. we will we'll see if we can get this guy. So Frank was the first person to publish online about DOS and the branding of women. This caused some stir in Nexium, and some members left. But Keith was able to write this off as Frank being a disgruntled ex-employee who had it out for the group. And that's kind of how it had been. He had portrayed Frank like that to the group for years because Frank had had been going at Keith for years. This left Sarah and the rest of the group working to expose Keith. They were they were disappointed because at the same time, the FBI didn't seem to be doing much to investigate the claims. Ramping up the effort, they contacted Barry Meyer from the New York Times with the story. Barry thought the story was worthy of being in the New York Times, but he needed a member of this group who defected to go on record. The chances of getting the story published with a bunch of anonymous sources was pretty slim. And this is detailed really well in the in the in the vow. All of their nervousness being reluctant to actually go on record because they know what Keith does to people legally um, and just publicly admitting or, you know, I guess the shame of being saying like, yeah, I was fooled into this. Yeah, nobody wants. I have, wants a, br- I have yeah. a brand on me. Sure. Nobody wants that. But as a group, they all decided to go on record and Barry wrote the story. However, once it was written, bigger news kept bumping it from being published. The Harvey Weinstein charges started to explode in the media, so that was obviously front-page material. With the Me Too movement sparking from all the Harvey Weinstein stuff, it made what Keith was doing in DOS even more relevant. And on October 17, 2017, the story finally ran, titled Inside a Secretive Group Where Women Are Branded. Once that story broke, the rest of the media picked it up and ran. This caused a mass defection of Nexium members worldwide. Like people are like, wait, what the fuck? We're, we're this is a self-help group. <laughs> right. Yeah. All Where's all the sex trafficking going on? Like, where is <laughs> right. this coming from? See you later. This didn't phase Keith's inner circle, including India Oxenberg. The Catherine Oxenberg ramped up her efforts to get, get her daughter out of Nexium and started going on shows like 2020 and Megan Kelly's show with her story. She seemed to have a lot to do with keeping this story out in the public eye. Yeah, she really did. And, you know, when we're going to start getting into some some charges here eventually, I I think it's really, uh, I don't know, brave, if brave is the right word. But the fact that she kept pushing this in the media to try and get her daughter out of this, even though she knew that there was a high chance that her daughter would be charged with a crime. Right. Oh, but at this point you're, you know, you're probably thinking of suicide cults and the, and the, the end game of a lot of these other cults. You're like, I, I got to by any means necessary guy to get my kid out of here. Right. I, I think that's a fair statement. Yeah, for sure. The group was discouraged a bit because they weren't hearing from the FBI or any law enforcement really, but behind the scenes, once the New York times article came out an investigation was almost immediately started into Keith and Nexium. Once Keith got word of the FBI's investigation, he went off the radar for a couple weeks and, and no one in New York had seen or heard from him. There were fears that he fled the country and specifically to an island that was owned by Claire Bronfman. Oh, she owned an island. Okay. Of course. I mean, of course she did, Dave. 
I thought an interesting point that Rick Ross, the cult guy, made in in that Seduce show was that if Keith would have just let India go, a lot of this noise was being made by her mom, Catherine Oxenberg, and he was so defiant, he wanted to find ways just to push back on that. And he said if he would have just let India go, a lot of this might have just went away, and he, you know, none. That would have been it. That would have been it. It would have you killed think, the media circus. Around I feel it. like that's that's it with a lot of cult leaders, though, right? Like their ego is so big right. that they push back on everything it. and it's their downfall. That's what he said. You let something go and, and it's fine. He doubled down to keep her in the cult and yeah. her mom pushed harder and which they, you know, think ultimately led to all the downfall. Yeah. If I remember that quote, when he said that, that he said, I don't, I'm not sure if Keith or Neary is even possible of doing this, mm. but if he would have just done that. Yeah. Yeah. Like right. it's it, like, that's just not the way his brain is even wired to be able to well, let I think, that go. Yeah, yeah. I think you're talking about a whole different breed of people who are able to establish a cult in general, right? Like to torment so many people to be okay with it, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, thrive on that kind of power and that suffering. We're talking about people that we probably can't comprehend in general. So where we can it's say fair. it's so simple. If you just do this, but to them, that, that's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Giving up that little bit of power, I think. I don't like, know. Clearly. Like this story, it goes, you can pull from so many different cult stories. But it's the same thing like in the end of Jonestown. What was it? Like 22, 26 people defected on the last day. Mm-hmm. And everybody else thought, everybody else in the inner circle thought that was a win. Like that's great. 26 people out of 1,000 want to leave. This is great. Like they're not going to do anything against us now that yeah. every, you know. Yeah. But Jim Jones like, nope, fuck that. That's too much, too much defection for him at one time. Yeah, that's a great point. So a search warrant was issued for Keith's email account on January 18th, 2018, and an FBI agent filed a criminal complaint against Keith in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of New York on February 14th, 2018. You know what his email address was? What's that? Vanguard Volleyball at at hotmail.com <laughs> vanguard <laughs> hotmail.com he had a fucking hotmail address his back on, his dude. backup account are you being for real or are you saying a joke <laughs> no i oh. don't know <laughs> i was like well the way you followed up with it i was like oh shit he might be for real i was gonna make a joke that his backup account was like knee pads at hotmail.com his backup backup was like you know Fucking Velcros at Hotmail.com. Velcro Daddy 6969. Show me that poon 69 at Hotmail.com. <laughs> Loves veg close-ups at Yahoo.com. <laughs> Hi, my name's Keith at AOL.com. Yeah, he looks like a dude that would have some some old ass like 90s, uh, like early 90s email address like AOL. Or- yeah. Of course he would. <laughs> Dungeon Master 1097AOL.com. How about just Vanguard at AOL.com? <laughs> fucking puss bag. Puss. I will fucking beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Oof, I'm pretty loaded at this point. Hey, you and me both, brother. We've been drinking IPAs tonight. We got this. Uh, hey, our good friends at uh, Wrecking Crew Brew Works. Yeah, got that's a, pretty uh, tasty. They're a local uh, brewery here in town. Got an IPA. Got a, a whole fucking uh, what's this thing called? Pants off, dance off. No, dance the, off, pants off. This a uh, growler. Growler of pants off, dance off IPA. Dave and I have been swilling on that. He's also been doing some whiskey. So uh, you know. So, so in March of 2018, authorities got a tip 
in the form of an Instagram post by First Line slave Nikki Klein. Nikki had posted a photo of herself basically right in front of Keith's villa in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, that led authorities straight to him, which is so fucking stupid. Like, you have to yeah. imagine Keith at that moment. He would be like, are you fucking kidding right, me? Right, right. She was up on a pole, too, like, woo! Mexico! <laughs> well, but wait a minute. Do we think it was on purpose, though? No, I absolutely so. not. Uh, you don't. Th- you think she fucked up? Oh yeah, she's still a, a very much believer in him. Oh okay. No, that was not on purpose at all. She's just a fucking moron. You gotta take off those location tabs on your social media posts. That's one hundred and one <laughs> social media. Like you don't put your location tab on. Well, I, I, when your I don't know your sex fucking, guru is running yeah. from the FBI, <laughs> especially that I don't even do that. And I'm running a Necronomicult over here. I'm just saying that that's that's social media 101. Don't have like your locations on. Also, if he like, has access to Claire's money, maybe go somewhere more interesting than Puerto Vallarta. I don't know. Maybe that was to throw people off. <laughs> no. Like, I don't know. Go to her island. Her <laughs> private <laughs> island that she owns With, yeah. might be a good spot. Yeah, that would be where I'd go. I'd just fucking, I would never leave. Mm. If I had that much money build my own internet and wi-fi from there fuck turn turn your locations off people i mean well unless you need help put your locations on but don't ever put your locations on that's terribly dangerous like you put out a tweet and a lot of times it has like your exact location tagged to it Mm. like where people can click on the tweet and then click on where you're located pull up a map if you don't if you don't turn off location services it can find exactly where you are interesting i'm sure it can find exactly where you are anyways but to like the the, the common person i am in ohio right now yeah as am i yeah <laughs> at the time keith had requested that allison mack lawrence Halsman, and nikki klein come visit his villa in mexico to a commitment ceremony for keith that in reality was just a group blowjob. Hey, <laughs> group. But it, hey, it, girls, fly down to Mexico for a group blowjob. Okay, Keith. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, they just go along with it. I don't know. I, he just had these women completely brainwashed. But it never happened for Keith. It was interrupted when the Mexican authorities arrested him. When police arrived, Lauren and Keith barricaded themselves in the master suite with Keith attempting to hide in a walk-in closet. And from all accounts, he was curled up in a little ball, super scared, uh, hiding in the closet. Of course he was. So no final blowjob for Keith. Oh, poor oh. guy. Man, so sad. Keith was indicted on multiple charges related to DOS, including sex trafficking, conspiracy for sex trafficking and conspiracy to commit forced labor. The indictment alleged that at least one woman was coerced into sex with Keith who forced DOS members to undergo the branding ritual alleged by Sarah Edmondson and others. United States attorney Richard Donahue stated that Keith quote, created a secret society of women with whom he had sex and branded with his initials coercing them with the threat of releasing their highly personal information and taking their assets. On April 20th, 2018, Allison Mack was arrested and indicted on similar charges to Keith's. According to prosecutors, after she recruited women into first Nexium and then DOS, Allison coerced them into engaging in sexual activity with Keith and performing menial tasks for which Keith allegedly paid her. That's where Allison fucked up big time. 
because there's emails with her asking to be paid and Keith agreeing to pay her for things like bringing India Oxenberg to him. Yep. Allison was further alleged to be Nexium's second in command after Keith. On April 24th, Allison was released on $5 million bond pending trial and held under house arrest with her parents in California. You know, I think it's interesting to note that India was still living with Allison at her apartment in Brooklyn at this time. Yeah. And when Allison's parents asked India to clean out her apartment, India came across some flash drives that contained some conversations and emails and all kinds of stuff, which she ultimately provided to the U.S. attorney that they used in the prosecution of this case. Mm. They recorded a lot of stuff that maybe they shouldn't have. Including that conversation that we played a little bit ago. Correct. Was on that flash drive. Why? Like, why? Yeah, right. It seemed like it was just those two walking, right? Why would you tape that? Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, we talked, we covered it earlier a little bit, but India was, you know, absolutely under consideration for being charged as part of this because, you know, she herself was recruiting slaves. Yeah. In the, in the original criminal complaint, it doesn't name the two women it's talking about, but like by the wording, you can clearly tell it's talking about Allison Mack in India. Mm -hmm. Like India was co-conspirator number two, like they, like they put it in federal indictments. Yeah. I think I really think if it, if she wouldn't have found those flash drives, she would have really been yeah I, I in trouble. She would have been charged with something. I think you're probably right. I think finding that evidence changed everything for her. Lucky turn of events for sure. Also in April of 2018, the New York Post reported that Nexium had been moved to Brooklyn, New York, and was being led by Claire Bronfman. On June 12, 2018, the Times Union reported that Nexium had suspended its operations due to, quote, extraordinary circumstances facing the company. Uh-huh. That sounds about <laughs> right. <laughs> Claire Bronfman was arrested on July 24th and charged with racketeering. She was released to house arrest after signing a $100 million bail bond, which is fucking outrageous. Holy fuck. $100 million. Like you could murder your whole block, you're not going to get a hundred million dollar bailout. But I guess if you're, you know, a billionaire with a trust fund and access say, to, if you're a billionaire, you have murder your whole block, you're going to get out of jail for a hundred million dollars, <laughs> and you're going to go home. Yeah, that's true. You go to your private island. It pays to be rich, Dave, in this country. You said it earlier. It it always does. It's amazing how these this like this girl had, you know, was born with everything. She had a trust fund. She had hundreds of millions of dollars available to her. Like, this is what she chose to do and get mixed up in all this. It's amazing. You don't see rich people on MSNBC's lockup. Not normally. Just saying. You don't. I guess just like if I could do anything I wanted in the world and I had unlimited resources, like joining up with this jackass is. You would not follow small dick Keith Ranieri (laughs) around the world. Top of my list. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't support him. And let him lose $65 million trading uh, commodities that he clearly does uh, not understand. More than that, Pally. He lost a lot more than that, even. So it's just... You wouldn't even do that for v- vagina pictures, Dave? <laughs> I mean, come on. He'll he'll spend $65 million of your own money, but he'll give you vagina pictures. No? It's wild. Also arrested at this time and charged with the same crime were Nexium president, Nancy Salzman, her daughter, Lauren, and another Nexium bookkeeper, Kathy Russell. Lauren's like, oh, thanks, mom, for getting me into the cult. It's great. 
got the fuck Keith and now I'm charged in federal court. <laughs> fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> On March 13th, 2019, Nancy Salzman pleaded guilty to a charge of racketeering, criminal conspiracy, and is currently awaiting sentencing, facing three and a half years in prison. Is that still accurate? Like over yeah, a year? Yeah, she's not been like, sentenced yet. Yeah. It's almost two years ago. Yeah. God damn. COVID fucked everything up. But she's still sitting in prison or is she out? What do we say? She's on house arrest. She's on house arrest. Okay. Mm -hmm. Also in March 2019, Lawrence Salzman pled guilty to racketeering and racketeering conspiracy and is currently awaiting her sentencing facing 20 years in prison. Also also house arrest. Uh, Yes. And hers is, you know, hers is more than her mom's because she was aware of the one, the young woman who was locked in the room for two for two years. Good. She was okay. she was recruiting women into DOS when she knew full well what was going on. There was a what a sixteen year old locked in prison for two years. She was sixteen when Keith started having sex with her. Oh, okay. She was an adult when I mean it doesn't make it any better. I don't you know, but for the sake of it, she was an adult when she was locked in the room. But still, you know, not good. She was well aware of it. She she helped out in it. She she threatened. Well, that woman yeah, with let's hope if this you don't stay in this room, then we're just going to go drop you off at the Mexican border and just leave you there with nothing. Stuff like that. Well, she deserves those 20 years if she's going to get them. On April 8th, 2019, Allison Mack pled guilty to racketeering and is awaiting sentencing, facing 40 years in prison. 40 fucking uh, years. She's, she's also out on house arrest. Mm. Well, that's the end of that career, right? Yeah, yeah, she's getting any roles. And good. And this was actually a learning experience for me as far as racketeering was concerned, because I always thought of racketeering just in like mob, yeah, ways where it was just money related, and they could just charge people, you know, for I did too. Certain money things. I didn't realize that like sex trafficking and all this stuff could just be lumped in under racketeering. Mm. I did not. Also, that makes sense. Pretty broad definition. Yeah. Yeah, I always assumed racketeering, like, you, you just think back to the mob and, you know, whatever fucking they're doing there with their monies. But, okay, lock these motherfuckers up. On April 19th, 2019, Claire Bronfman pled guilty to charges of harboring an alien and identity fraud. Bookkeeper Kathy Russell also pled guilty to visa fraud. On September 30th, 2020, Claire Bronfman was sentenced to six years and nine months in prison. God damn, that was like a month ago. Yeah. It was like two months ago. And we're going to get into Keith's trial in a minute, but as soon as I saw what Claire Bronfman got sentenced to, I knew Keith Ranieri was fucked because, like you said, Dave, if you're rich in this country, you don't go to prison. And if someone at Claire Bronfman's status goes to prison for six years... Right, you're done. Everybody's done. (laughs) Keith's federal trial began on May 7th, 2019. Prosecution witnesses included Lawrence Salzman, Mark Vicente, and victims, these are all aliases, Sylvia, Daniela, and Nicole, and cult expert Rick Ross. The defense rested without calling any witnesses. It's not good for Keith. (laughs) No, and you know those, um, like the call that we played earlier, you know, this whole time he's saying, I didn't know anything about this. I had nothing to do with the branding. This was completely outside of Nexium. These women all decided to do it on their own. I just like to imagine the look on his fucking face when that 
USB drive was found <laughs> and played in court. Right. Where he, him and Allison are talking about doing it. It's like, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have recorded that. Uh, that's not me on that call. I don't know who that is. <laughs> wasn't me. What does Shaggy always say? Wasn't, wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they caught me on camera. What, wasn't me. How dare you bring Shaggy's name into this fucking scumbag's <laughs> life. And uh, I remember India did not end up having to testify in this case presumably um, because she found the flash drive and provided you know here you go motherfuckers yeah. i'm gonna ride off into the sunset on june 19th 2019 the jury found keith guilty on all charges after five hours of deliberation that's not a long time nope not at all <laughs> <laughs> keith was found guilty of sexual exploitation of a child and possession of child pornography with regard to minor victim Camila. He had pictures of the, it. Yeah. Awful. Sex trafficking of Nicole and attempted sex trafficking of Jay. That's another alias. Identity theft against Eggard Bronfman, James Loperfito, Ashana Chinoa, Mariana, and Pam Kafritz. Because he was doing stuff with Pam Kafritz's identity after she died from cancer. Jeez. Or if he, you know, could have poisoned her, who, you know, but. Yeah. On paper, she died from cancer, and he's out there fucking around with her identity. Trafficking for labor and services of Daniela, forced labor of Nicole. Conspiracy to alter records for use in official proceeding. And sex trafficking conspiracy, forced labor conspiracy, racketeering conspiracy, and wire fraud conspiracy. Keith was sentenced to 120 years in prison on October 27th, 2020. Damn, that's a long fuck, time. Fuck you, Keith. Mike's real happy about that. Fuck sentence. you. You know, an interesting postscript to this. I was looking. There was some real estate forfeitures, like contested, and part of this whole thing where the government tried to take some of these properties where all this stuff took place up in Albany. And Nancy says, you know, I have a controlling interest in this, and landlords, and just so it was an interesting thing. I thought. I think it's probably still ongoing. Hmm. But, like, it wasn't you, worth that. I mean, they were, you know, $200,000, $150,000 yeah. condos or townhouses in and Albany. Still, like, it wasn't any that big of a deal. Interesting. The so, fight continues. So, well, I mean, this was what? He was sentenced uh, two, three weeks ago. Yeah. October 27th. Yeah. Like, you think Allison Max is going to get 40 fucking years in prison? That's a long time. Like I said, if, if Claire Bronfman, a fucking billionaire's daughter who has access to hundreds of millions of dollars mm -hmm. goes to prison for six months. Everybody's going to prison. Yeah. You don't, people with that kind of money typically do not mm -hmm. go to prison in this country. Is there a question here on how much empathy you have for some of these victims? Like were, were some of the victims responsible at all themselves for joining a cult and being susceptible to all this? I, like I, it wasn't a violent kind of rape situation. It was more of a, a coercion. I think they're, 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 that there's a question there. I don't know how Do much. Do they bear any responsibility? Yeah. I, I don't know. When yeah, you I don't know, know. When you know what you're recruiting someone for, though. And that was kind of the argument of Frank, because I know in his newsletter, or his website, whatever he published, some of the names of these people we just used aliases for, because he said they were not 100% victims. They were at least somewhat culpable and responsible for what happened to them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I I saw some articles out there recently saying, uh, making the case for 
or saying that Allison Mack and Lawrence Hausman should be pardoned for their involvement because they were manipulated by Keith. Yeah, like if you're saying the victims were manipulated into allowing this to happen to them, then doesn't that carry through with... Yeah, right. Allison, wasn't she also manipulated? Like, I see that point of view. If everyone's a victim, then everyone's a victim. I don't know. But who are they saying are the victims, though? Like, that, you got to draw a line somewhere, right? Like all those second line people, I think they're viewing as being trafficked or victims or whatnot, but... I don't I mean, know, with the Mac, first line also? Allison Max on video, like on recording, talking about branding people. I, I'm not so sure she's completely innocent then. Yeah, but I mean, branding people is not illegal. I don't know. Against their will? I, I, was it against their will? I don't know. I, doesn't I would argue probably. I think I think there can be an argument I mean, there's a level of that coercion. It, that it was against their will. Mm, that's my question. What constitutes against your will? You're, you're, you're also I much mean, fighting that, that back top level they're they're you're coercing them into sending photos of themselves you're coercing them into, into rape is it blackmail extortion because of the collateral i don't know i don't have a good answer no, i'm just I, saying it's a complicated kind of thing i'm I, I guess i'm just saying i'm not willing to just say no they're they're all off the hook no i'm not either yeah. i'm just asking the question i don't know it's a complex thing i don't I, think there's I, I a simple answer I, I definitely don't think that Clara Bronfman should be off the hook. I, I mean, she knew full well what she was financing. Mm-hmm. I think we're, in my opinion, where where you stop you stop looking at the victim angle of being lured into a cult and brainwashed and all that stuff is when you participate in extremely illegal things, like how Lauren Salzman knew about the girl that was locked in a room for two years. Allison Mack knew about that girl. Those things are, I mean, that's just really inhumane, yeah. you know? That's I fair. Agree. I agree. I, I think when you start part- participating in those type of things, mm-hmm. that's when it's like, well, you have to be held accountable for what you for what you did. That's so fair. That would be like if, if Jim Jones and them got caught and, you know, those, those couple women that were around him, his inner circle, that were all about people being put in the box and, you know, all the punishments and stuff. I would say that they would fully be should be held responsible for that. Yeah. For facilitating something like that. And same same goes for Lawrence Salzman and Alice Mack, in my opinion. I think I agree. It's a it's a tough call. I don't know. Did we say one of their upcoming court dates? They haven't been announced yet. Alright, that's old standby. I don't think they're I don't think they're dishing out twenty and forty year prison terms. It seems unlikely. It seems a little excessive. I don't know because what did I, I I read about Lauren I was reading about Lauren Lauren's um her upcoming sentencing and I can't remember the term off the top of my head but I guess in in sentencing a judge in certain cases certain things that you're convicted of has the option to go above right what's recommended to him and like sentence you for more than mm-hmm. what's on the table and the article that I was reading was saying that it was kind of ended on being saying, don't be surprised if the judge doesn't throw the book at Lawrence Halsman and gives her more than 20 years. Wow. God damn. That'd be something. So, I, I mean, if, if if based on everything else with Claire Bronfman, Keith basically got life in prison. I wouldn't be surprised if Allison Mack doesn't get the full 40 years. And then Lawrence Halsman gets crazy. an extra 20 slapped on her and does 40 years, too. 
What the fuck's going to happen to our cult then when we get busted? Everyone's going to jail. <laughs> fuck. I, I'm not. Goddamn. Well, Dave made it very clear he's not going to jail. So someone's going to take the fall for him. <laughs> someone's going to have to take that fall. I, I mean, I do feel bad for Allison Mack. I don't. In, in, I, I do not at 100%. In a way. I do. I don't feel by any stretch is a 40-year prison sentence applicable in this matter. I, I feel that she was manipulated into what she did. Clearly, and I, but, and I and I would say that Nancy Salzman brought her daughter Lauren into this, and I think that's a extenuating circumstance that should be taken into consideration. Possibly for that, I I agree with that. I just feel like when, like I said, when you, when when you cross a line into breaking really inhumane laws, like yeah, not just knowing about the fact that the woman was in a locked room for two years, but giving her food. Being a part, you actually being a part of that, that's when, you know, you have to face some consequences for doing that to somebody. Yeah. I don't disagree. And the whole sex trafficking thing. I mean, Allison Mack was getting paid. She asked for money to bring people to Keith. She knew what exactly you know, that's a whole other level of it. She knew exactly yeah. what she was doing the entire right. time. So maybe I take some of that back, what I said about her. I don't know. <clears throat> she she pitched We're, it to, she India, India Oxenberg thought that Allison Mack was one of her best friends and here behind her back, Allison was asking for money from Keith to bring India to him as a sexual partner. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. I will say it's good though. It's nice to end a cult story with them, with the leader getting what they deserve. Every other time they it's a little change die of pace. peacefully yeah. or kill a little, themselves. A little bit of a change of pace. Yeah. I don't hate that. All right, Ian, you got anything else to say on uh, Nexium? That was a, uh, that was a damn good series. I feel like we ended on like the hottest conversations and debate that we had for all three weeks. Pretty good. Yeah. Not bad. I, I will say that he's probably the most hated person I've written about so far in the show. Damn. There's, there's something about how sadistic he was with women that just really, I don't know, I just made me hate this guy. It's... Well, and I, I understand what you're saying. So nasty. Yeah, I understand what you're saying in that, like, most, like, all of these women, like, lived. Whereas, like, other people we've talked about that were pieces of shit, they kind of just killed their victims, which obviously also is horrible. But, like, these women suffer just trauma throughout the rest of their lives. So I get why it's, you know, this guy's extra shitty. And I never thought I would defend David Berg from Children of God either. Because he's a disgusting human being too, but he didn't seem to have that sadistic sadisticness to him. He was just a disgusting pedophile. But I, I think Keith Raniere is the, the worst cult leader I can think of as far as that stuff is concerned. God damn, it's just a really evil person. Yeah, it's a bold statement for sure. Okay. Maybe Shoko Asahara from um shinrikyo because he wanted to kill like wipe out all of japan or all of tokyo <laughs> with his with with his uh that helicopter that they couldn't fly they yeah. couldn't get off the ground he wanted to spray sarin gas that's right <laughs> and they couldn't figure it out but you know i mean he yeah he's a pretty evil guy but yeah keith ranieri man i don't know just a very sadistic individual okay dave final thoughts uh i'm curious to see what Lauren and Allison get as far as sentencing. I'll be following it. This. It will be very interesting. I, to I'm, see. I'm, I'm torn as to whether there should be some leniency here or not. The kidnapping, you know, for two years kind of deal is a bit extreme, but 
But if you know, if you know about it, you know, you know, someone's kidnapped. That's what I mean. That's that's a a bit of an extreme crime that requires some solid sentencing. But on the other hand, and you're recruiting girls into what, you know, is a sexually assaulted cult, I guess. Yeah, that's that's tough. I don't know if they'll get the full extent of it. I suspect they won't. I I know Ian thinks differently. I don't think they'll get that long. Seems it, a bit much. It's also but weird. we'll see. It's also where they've been waiting since 2019, right? It's a long like when is this going to happen? Delay, right? I don't know. You know, by the time they actually go to court, you know, and I know there's been a pandemic and mm. it happens, but these people have been living relatively free. Maybe an ankle monitor, whatever they have. Right. By the time they actually, you know, is it going to be time served? And that includes your ankle monitor. I don't think it'll be time served. But I mean, you just don't know. Like, what's going to happen here? We'll see. 20 years, 10 years, five years, 90 days. Shouldn't be much longer. Till we find out. Till we find out. Correct. He's not advocating for a certain amount. Not of time. advocating for anything. <laughs> I, I have differing thoughts here. <laughs> okay. I suspect Keith won't do well in federal prison. No, he probably will not. Dude, but don't you think he'll be protected, though? Like, is he even going to get around other inmates? He's going to be like in his own cell. It's a good question. I would assume, right? I mean, Harvey Weinstein's just thrown in there with general population. Mm. I don't see why Keith would get any special treatment. All right. Well, we'll see. All right. We got some Patreon shout outs. First and foremost, we forgot this one the last couple of weeks. Hope Vanderstelt. Thank you very much. Very overdue, Mike. I know you and Ian both... Uh both fumbled the ball here on this shout out. So I'm glad you're finally getting to it. We made guys. it right. We made it right. It's about fucking time. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> what I forgot to put it on the list, correct? Is that is that my, my fault? You and I both messed up. And apologies <laughs> oh, to Hope. We fucked up. Jessica Behrman, Adam Connor, Ahmed Kaharivik, Chelsea Showoff, Ethan Horn, Jenna Nois, Daniel Ftech, Catherine. Cody Manderville, Dean Picking, Leanda, Leanna Mae Smith, Leilani, Carlson Derrig, Daniel Sound, Laura Weiss, Isabel Goodman, Annie Hank, Aisling Mulaki, Jesse, Cheyenne Wilkie, Zachary, Leanna Thomas, Jensen Frost, Judy Brenna, Lori Stanek, Tyler Emmerich, and is that a probe in your pocket or are you happy to see me? <laughs> oh, and also Donald Cook. Thank you. <laughs> He's fucking a guys. probe for sure. Probably a probe. Thank you very much. We are at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Ian, what do you got? Uh, first, I have a shout out to Angie T for the Jonestown book. Thank you very much. I have not read this book, so I'm excited to, to get into it here soon. And then for iTunes, I have shout-outs for Martian Amay, Jen Chavez, and Sasha May. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. All right, we got a new segment tonight, and it's Dave reading hate messages. I'm going to do the bad review corner from iTunes because I think they're really funny. Bad reviews coming from Dave. This one says... This is from last week. It's titled, Seems Better Researched. Than many of these true crime podcasts, and at least it's done very conversationally versus someone reading a script woodenly, but their humor leans to, quote, immature guys locker room, end quote, 
to listen to more than one of these. So I'm not sure that this will be a repeat listen for uh, I'm a Jealous Bitch 4971. That was who, <laughs> that was who wrote that review. Yep. That's them. And the other one this week we have is the title is Congratulations. And the review is on making the Ouija board completely uninteresting. Hmm. Didn't, Who sent that didn't love the Ouija board. It was uh, Adult Virgin in Mom's Basement, 6969. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently they didn't, they didn't like that show. Uh, spoiler alert, the Ouija board is a very boring topic. There's not much to it. Yeah, unless you want to talk about make made-up stories. That was the whole point. Yeah. Bringing the truth to the masses. I'm sorry that we told the story of the Ouija board. Fucking live in your mom's basement. That's it. Hopefully no more next week. Yeah. I hope that's the, that's, I hope that's the last segment ever of Dave's worst reviews. Yeah. But, you know, if they send them, we'll read them and we'll call them out. You know, we will. And we'll identify them by name as they sign them. We will. So, okay. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at Necronomapod. We have stickers and koozies at Necronomapod.com. We have our merchandise at Amazon.com. Search Necronomapod. And if you go to Patreon.com slash Necronomapod, you can sign up for our Patreon where we have three bonus shows a month. And you also get every Sunday's episode early ahead of everyone else. It's pretty fucking cool. I don't say so myself. Very cool. Anyways, patreon.com slash Necronomapod, amazon.com and search for Necronomapod. And then our uh, koozies and stickers are at Necronomapod.com. We appreciate you guys listed. As always, thank you very much and uh, hope we'll see you soon. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>